Welcome to Locked On Wild, where it's your team every day. Hi, everyone. I'm Tony Abbott. A little bit of a late episode, and Joe is not with me today, but I'm going to make it up to you by rocking it with a great guest. we got Brett Marshall. You might know him on Twitter as B underscore Marsh 92. Brett, how's it going? Uh, it's going pretty good. Just uh, powering through the end of the work week here sitting in traffic, but uh, happy to jump on and talk a little bit of wild here quick. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's uh, let's not even waste any time and, and jump right into it. Uh, we got uh, a, a, a really wild season, I suppose. Uh, what a dumb pun. I'm, I'm, I'm really embarrassing you. Uh, on, on the on the on the first episode that you're on, oh, no, no worries. Uh, but uh, but it's been uh, it's been kind of a, a weird season for Minnesota where we don't really have too great of an idea of like what this team is. Like, what's your diagnosis of this team? They are pretty much, I think, exactly what I expected them to be. I would say more or less the goaltending's been a little bit poorer than I expected. Like I I knew Stalock wasn't good, but I think. Uh, Dubnik's been not great, but I think part of that's probably because of his personal situations with his wife. I mean, there's no way you can be in the right mindset every night knowing your wife's going through some things. But I think when I did kind of like projected out uh, my projections, I think I had the Wild finishing with like 85 or 86 points, which I think they're on like an 87 point pace. So I, was, I mean, they're pretty much right on brand for where I thought they'd be fringe playoff team picking at the end of the lottery rounds. Yeah, that, uh, that perpetual mediocrity, we talk about that all the time. And also yep. we talk about the need to sort of break out of that. And I guess, uh, I guess, what are your thoughts on how to do that? I think the start is tank this the rest of this year. I think you look at the top 10 guys in this draft, um, you know, as Scott, I think as Scott Wheeler, uh, your, one of your colleagues over there at The Athletic, had said that the top nine uh, in this upcoming draft would typically be looked at as top five players on a normal draft year. So you're looking at guys that would probably project like possible first liners, probably guaranteed middle six guys, which the Wild could desperately use more of, um, especially the center position. Uh, there's some good centers in the draft. Uh, you know, obviously the top with Byfield, Lafreniere, and then you look a little deeper and you have guys like Marco Rossi and Cole Perfetti, who I think is a center, but also a wing. I don't know if he plays center naturally, but I think if you can get in the top 10 and snag up one of those four guys somehow, um, and then if you're able to maybe get someone in a trade coming up here, all of a sudden you have your next two centers, you get Eck on the third line, possibly Nico Sturm is your long-term fourth line center, all of a sudden you're built down the middle, you find a starting goalie in free agency, and all of a sudden you're right back on the horse with Fiala and Kaprasov and the rest of the gang there on the wings and a loaded up defense. I think they'd be fine, but I think the key is getting a center out of this draft, preferably out of the top 10. Well, okay, you mentioned Byfield and you mentioned Rossi. Like, what are the centers that are available there? What are their games like? I know you read up on the draft. Yeah, so Byfield, I think, I mean, everyone has Lafreniere as the consensus number one. I'm a little bit higher in Byfield personally, and I think part of the reason why he gets a little bit overlooked is I think he's like 10 months younger than Lafreniere. So a lot of people kind of throw him head to head, but it's almost like throwing people together from different draft years. He's a big bodied center, so maybe Rolf fills out as more maybe a second line guy, but. I mean, he's, he's a really big center, power forward. Um, his knock was his skating, and um, I guess he's really turned that around this year and has really developed kind of the, the whole toolkit. Um, Lafreniere might have a higher ceiling, but I think given the Wilds' need at, at center, I would rather have Byfield. So, like, if you win the lottery, I'd prefer to be probably in the two spot versus the one. Um, not that I complain about having a franchise left wing, but 
I think, I mean, for a team that's perennially had problems down the middle, I'd rather have a center. And then Ross, just kind of your total complete player, good puck mover, good offense driver, um, and someone that they've, uh, some people have been saying will be uh, NHL ready heading into next year, which, I mean, that alone would help solve a problem right off the bat there for us. So uh, those are two guys I really like. Perfetti, I don't know as much about. Um, I think he's kind of kind of your well-balanced, a little bit smaller. I think he's only like 5'9", so that first line upside might be a little cap just by the size, but still probably be a really good number two offensive centerman. And that top nine doesn't even include Yaroslav Askarov, who's the uh, Russian goalie. Yeah, and it sounds like there might be a little concern about him starting to maybe drop out of that top ten. It sounds like you know, he started the year kind of top five, and now he's kind of fringe top ten. Um, I get his performances at kind of these world stage events haven't been great as of late, and I think it's developing some skepticism, but um, he has all the tools and shit, so it looks like he just isn't quite delivering on him on the world stage right now. Still sounds like not a bad thing if, you know, this team ends up picking 11th or 12th again this year. Yeah, especially with if they're able, if they have one pick later in the if another pick later in the first round, if they can potentially uh, grab another one here, I don't think it would be a, a bad thing maybe to grab them early and then maybe try to fill up with a center or another prospect later on. Mm-hmm. All right, let's uh, let's take a break. We'll hop into a break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about Kirill Kaprizov and the trade deadline just a few days away. You're listening to Lockdown Wild. Welcome back to Lockdown Wild. I'm Tony, and I'm here with Brett Marshall. And, Brett, we have a listener's choice request to talk about from... From Patrick Bexel, we uh, he just mentioned that Kirill Kaprizov had a two-goal game today. Uh, if he's not leading the KHL in goals, it's it's pretty damn close. And uh, he just wants us to talk about Kirill Kaprizov. Like, what are your thoughts on him? Do you are you buying into the hype or 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 what's up? Yeah, I'm all in on the Kirill Kaprizov hype. I mean, you, you read everything about him, you watch the highlights. Um, I've tweeted my thoughts about him a few times, but I think the biggest thing for me that I see when I see highlights is his ability to create separation. Um, there's one goal in particular I remember, one of his more recent highlights. He took a pass kind of coming out of the zone up near the blue line, caught it kind of on the outside, and just opened up his hips to create separation, and all of a sudden just took off and created space for himself and then finished off with a sweet move. Um, you know, and I, With the exception of Fiala as of late, I can't think of players who've been able to kind of – use their body to create separation and then use that breakaway speed to generate chances. And it just seems like he's a player that's just going to create chances. He's going to be fun to watch. But I think the key is getting getting him, one, someone who can get him the puck. And then I think if you put him with a guy like Fiala, who has that scoring knack, so when he you know when he does opt to pass, he has that option. But I, I'm in on the hype. I think he's going to be a great player to build around. And I, from, from what everything I've heard, and there's no reason to start doubting that he's going to come and that when he's here, he's not going to be a star. So I'm excited. Yeah, I, I also don't really get the... I, I think people are just kind of like the Michael Scott gif of I'm absolutely ready to get hurt again. Yep. And that's kind of the uh, the reason for the tempered expectations. And by the way, Kaprizov is in fact leading the KHL in goals, which uh, you love to see it. You just love to see it. Uh, I, I, I wonder how important it is to actually get someone to, I, I guess, quote-unquote, give Capra's off the puck. I don't know if I've said it on here, but I want your thoughts on it. He really does seem like a guy who can be like a puck-dominant guy off the wing, like an Artemi Panera and create chances for himself, no? Yeah, and I think that's true, but I think he, if, if you can get someone who can also get him the puck and give him more of those opportunities, I think it only brings his ceiling up higher than what it already is. 
you know what? That's 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 a good point. Maybe I should shut up. Uh, how uh, how much are you going to be expecting from him next year? Uh, are you going to expect him to kind of pop off right away? I mean, after all, he is you know playing this superhuman hockey as a 22 year old in Russia. Like it, it, it's still mind blowing to say that. Like he's he's just 22, uh, and, and he's and he's dominating maybe the second best league in the world. Like, are how much are you expecting that to translate right away, or, or what do you expect the transition period to be? I think I'll I'll temper my expectations a little bit, at least probably for the first half of the season. I think just adapting to the, to the North American style of play will will take a little bit of adjusting. I think there's going to you know. What, what I've heard, uh, there was a cool article um, from a, a writer who covers the KHL, and she talked about how Kaprasov has actually been working with uh, former Gopher Ryan Stoa to learn English um, while he's playing in the KHL. But I think there's going to be a little bit of a language barrier, um, there's a little bit of, a, of adaptation time, and just to kind of learn the Minnesota Wild system. But I think once he kind of starts to get comfortable around his teammates and stuff, um, he'll, he'll be better. I mean, even if it's a down first year. I mean, I would say if he has a 45 to 50-point season to start next year, I'd be pretty happy with that. And I think that also depends on how much responsibility he's given off the bat, too. So if they stick him right on the top line or maybe try to ease him in in like maybe a, a third-line role or a second-line role. And, and I think that'll all factor in how much power play time he gets, things like that. But I, if he comes in around 50 points, I think I'd be pretty happy with that to start. And then I, I think I'd be looking for his upside to be hopefully around like the point-per-game mark eventually. I think people are kind of dancing with visions in their head of a line of like, okay, like maybe we get that elite center, whether it's, whether it's via trade or, or through the draft. And then we got that guy on a line with Kaprizov and Fiala. Do you think that's a good fit between Kaprizov and Fiala on the same line? Or are you, are you kind of like, oh, like maybe I want these like guys who, who can, like, is there enough pucks to be on the ice with Kaprizov and Fiala at the same time? Yeah, I think it creates two guys. You have to teams have to be on their toes about. Um, we know Fiala plays a fast game and a quick game. From everything I've seen in Kaprizov, he's kind of the same way. And I mean, you look at a big reason why you know Pittsburgh wanted to grab a guy like Jason Zucker, it's because they wanted someone to keep up with Crosby. So I think it's important to have guys that that keep up. And I think that was an issue earlier with in the Fiala. He was playing with Koivu, and he didn't have a center that could keep up. And now he's stuck, you know, playing with Prezi and Stall. And two guys are a little more highly skilled, and we're seeing a little more out of Fiala. And I think that's in part to alignments that fit his style of play better. So it might be a little adjusting. I mean, they could be really compatible, but if not, I think they need to be not afraid to just try some different things and move some guys around. You know, there's also talk that they might start on the left wing, even though it sounds like he's more of a natural right wing, but Dan Milstein, his agent has said he can play the left side. So I think there could be some experimenting with maybe flipping wings too, and just seeing how that maybe plays out as well. One thing that really excites me about Kaprizov game is that, you know, he, he can do the breakaway stuff and, and look really good off the rush, but he's also pretty good, like, just, like, hanging around the net and finding yep. those soft areas. Like, you know, I, I, I think that he will need to maybe uh, transition to the North American game, but it does look like he plays a pretty North American game right now. Yeah, I mean, and he's he's looked really good in the international stage too, playing against North Americans and stuff too. And I think if he gets a good a good camp in, and I, like I said, there might be a little appear at the beginning, but you know, I think a player of his skill and especially being a little bit older for a rookie, um, I think I think he'll adapt quicker than maybe some other players. But little Justin period. But I, like I said, I, it wouldn't be a, I'm not as super worried about it. Just tempering my expectations slightly. Mm-hmm. Well, we are I think 69 days away from Capra Christmas. 
Nice. So, uh, I don't know. Any any final thoughts that you have on Kaprizov? Uh, I don't think so. All right. That I can think of. All right. We're going to hop on a break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about the trade deadline. You're listening to Lockdown Wild. Welcome back to Lockdown Wild. I'm Tony, and I'm still with Brett Marshall. And we are going to uh, keep answering uh, listeners' choice requests. We got one from Jonathan. Do you think it's smarter to deal Brodine and or Dumba now that or now knowing you're looking for a one to two center, number one and number two center, or wait until the draft when the season is over? Seems the latter makes more sense as teams don't want to part ways with established players that could be used in their cup run. Yeah, I think uh, for me, it depends on what the return is um, and who the team is that you're trading with. Because I think there are some teams, um, take a team like, uh, I don't know, like Tampa Bay or Carolina or Florida, who's looking to get into the playoffs or lock down maybe like a number one spot. They probably want to trade now. So if you're going to trade with those teams, you probably have to do it now, where if it's, you know, maybe if it's a Carolina prospect or a Montreal prospect, that's your center. Um, Perhaps you can wait till the draft. Um, so I, I think it's actually probably more dependent on who the partner is, whether or not it makes sense. I think from the Wilds' perspective, as long as they're getting the piece that they want to get, I think they're okay with doing it at the deadline or the draft. So I think it's more comes down to who the partner is. Yeah, Minnesota has the cards. They are going to have them this summer too. If any teams want them, they they know what the price is, and they know uh, from the whole Zucker thing that they're going to a be patient as long as they need to. And B, uh, that uh, that they're going to uh, to wait until their their asking price is met. Yep, that's that's a good way to put it. So uh, I, I guess what are your thoughts as we're going into the trade deadline? Because it's just a uh, it's just a weekend away. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I mean before I jumped on this call, uh, Russo was on K Fan saying that. Um, in addition to the potential of uh, Brodine and or probably not and or but Brodine or Dumba moving, um, that uh, the ball is in Miko Koivu's court. Um, if he wants to go to a contender, he'll have that up op- that opportunity. And then um, also, kind of the one that was more of a bigger surprise to me was um, the same team that had called um, Paul Fenton about Zach Parisi out east um, has called back. Um, so a potential, you know, if if a, if the value is right and. Parisi's willing. I'm assuming it's a contender, but um, perhaps uh, we could get Zach Parisi's contract or part of it uh, off the books too, if, if he's willing to move. So I think that's something interesting to watch and just seeing what uh, you know potential returns look like on those guys. I think it'll be exciting, but I think the one thing fans need to remember is that um, as we just touched on, they don't have to make moves to the deadline. So if they don't, don't panic. It probably just means uh, they're going to look to to do business with all 32 teams come draft time. So I never thought when uh, when the reports were floated that Parise was looking for a trade, that that trade could be out east. My suspicions were that it was going to be like to Calgary or to Edmonton just because I was thinking like, okay, who has a long forward contract that they want to move? And I was like, oh, James Neal and, uh, and uh, Milan Lucic. Like those are the guys that I thought that, uh, that were maybe going to be coming back. I, I hadn't considered the East. I wonder who that is. Yeah, I, there's none that immediately come to mind for me. Um, I would assume if someone's trading for Parisi that it has to be a contender. So, but then again, you know, half of you know, good. There's a good ten, twelve teams in the East that uh, that are contenders. So, 
even then, like Boston just jumped, uh, dumped uh, David Backus today. Yep, I so think it's they maybe, probably not them. Yeah, and I think they maybe would have made sense for looking for someone to play wing with uh, with David Krejci, but uh, it seems they have that now in Kasha. So, yeah, they would have been my first guess, but uh, I don't think it's them anymore. And it would presumably have to be somewhere where Parise would be interested in going. So I think that takes like teams like Columbus who might be able to use them, uh, use uh, yeah. use Parise off the table. Um, Montreal's pretty far out of it. Yeah, yeah Montreal, I, I, they're kind of fringe. Uh, you know, as weird as it may sound, is it is it possible that uh, Chuck Fletcher's calling back about Parise? I was thinking about that, but then I was like, okay, well, like, how does the money work there? Right, I think maybe some retention on the wild side, but some retention. I think they're, uh, I think they're pretty capped out now because I mean, this might, this might surprise you, right? But uh, Chuck Fletcher yeah. teams tend to be pretty capped out. Yeah, I suppose they are pretty close to being capped out right now too. Yeah, that's a weird one. Going back to the Russo interview on K Fan, just just the fact that they are making big changes when, you know, at the end of tonight, right? If they they win against uh if they win against uh Edmonton, you know, that that puts them within three points of a playoff spot and, and I think my big fear was they were going to sort of chase that playoff spot and try to get those two home games and and try to uh, to make good with the fans right now who aren't very pleased uh, and, and try to kind of be like, hey, we made the playoffs. Uh, you you got to love us again, right? And I, I'm really glad that it appears that that's not the case. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I think Billy, from everything I've heard and him talk, and I think he recognizes the way this team is built – Maybe they're a fringe playoff team, but if they get to the playoffs, like you said, I think it's two home games and done. Um, unless by some miracle, Dubnik and Stalock all of a sudden turn into just go superhuman, which I don't see that happening. Um, so I think he recognizes that. Um, and I think, you know, by moving, you know, maybe Brodine or Dumba, and then if you can move one of Koivu or Parisi, you do make your team in the short term a little bit worse, which should help you kind of further fall out of that playoff spot. And then, uh, hopefully like we talked about earlier, uh, climb into that top 10 of the draft and really get that high end prospect. And then you get a couple more picks in there. You, you get Kaprasov to come over. You have the potential of Alexander Havanov, maybe slotting in the lineup. You have other guys in the waiting, like Adam Beckman and, and others like that. So, and I, I think it'll be a team that can turn things around, you know, within probably two years at, at the longest, maybe up to three, but um, depending on how they've, address the goalie situation but uh i, I think it's the right move to, to to move move on from the players miss the playoffs for one year and then uh get what you need in place and get right back into things next year and i think the fans know that they need changes and i think they that that is something that they would appreciate knowing that they're going in a different direction i think they would appreciate that better than uh than two home playoff games and i'm sure they'll sell out the two home playoff games but i i don't think that I, I think that if you're trying to get that same buzz with this group as there was in 2016, that's just not happening anymore. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think you, you look at, too, I mean, if, if you if you have a good draft, you get Kaprasov to come over, you have the Winter Classic lined up for next season, I think there already be kind of enough natural buzz next year, especially just with Kaprasov in general. Um, I think once he signs, I think you'll see ticket price, t- uh, season ticket sales go back up, and I think you'll see full rings next year again. Just just with him alone i think he'll, he'll be that x factor that they need to put butts in the seats again and with their prospect pool being what it is now add whatever you'd get in a trade for jonas brodine or matt dumba 
uh, and especially if you can get like a, a first line center or a potential first line center, even yeah, uh, either either that's coming through the draft or or that comes in a uh, prospect return. I think that uh, I think that a fans are going to be really excited, and b uh, I, I think that's a team that you know if that team if if that hypothetical team makes the playoffs, I think fans are excited about that. Yep, because then it's like, hey, this is this is the start of of you know what should be another long long run of playoff appearances and hopefully a cup somewhere in there. What are you hoping for in the next uh, three days or so with uh, with the trade deadline? Are are you is there a particular uh, trade or prospect that is just like this is like the very top of my wish list? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you and Joe talked a little bit about him uh, on the last podcast about uh, Nick Suzuki in Montreal. Um, I like the fact that he's already, I believe, playing as their second line center at, I believe he's, I think he's 20, um, which you like that. You know, that's a guy that has definitely potential room to grow. Um, I don't hate the idea of Max Domi either. I think at 24 and a little bit of a down year, but I think you get some better players around him. I think he's a guy that's got good upside. Um, the other Suzuki out of Carolina, I don't mind. Uh, what I'm hoping they don't do is I'm, I'm not a, I'm not big on Trocheck. I just don't like a guy that's been on the decline after a career year um, and trading one of your top assets in Brodeen to bring in a guy you hope rebounds. I think you want to – I'd rather have a guy that has projection to go up than a guy you want to get back to where he was. So uh, that, those would probably be my, my three, one of the Suzukis or Domi. Um, yeah, I think those would be the three. Is there a name that you know maybe we haven't heard too much about, but you're you're excited about uh, the possibility of getting them, even though you know maybe they're not on my radar, maybe they're not on Joe's radar, maybe they're not on the listeners' radar. Um, I would say another one out of Carolina if Suzuki doesn't work out. Um, um, Sarah Sivian already shot down Martin Nietzsche, so kind of the, the another guy in their system that might be interesting um, is uh, Jameson Reese. Um, he's a guy that. Um, has been looked at as a potential kind of number. He's more of a, that number two center guy, um, but kind of like it looks like it sounds like his his floor is a, a number three center with a potential like second center upside. I think if you can maybe grab him and then maybe uh, snag what would be Carolina's first, I don't think that would be a terrible return. And he'd be a guy that I think would he's right around that age group of the guys that you want. So he could be another name maybe to to watch out for. And I think he, he's not talked about as much as Suzuki, but I think he's just he's, he's another really solid center prospect. Anything else you want to talk about real quick? Uh, I don't think so. I think we hit on a lot of stuff. Sounds good. All right, man. Appreciate hopping on. Happy to hop on whenever you need someone. So feel free to give me a shout, especially this time of year. So. Yeah, thank you so much. Where can we find you? Uh, I am on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92, uh, full of hot wild takes pretty much year round. So, All right. Uh, have a good day, man. Yeah, you too, man. All right, thanks again to Brett Marshall for joining us, and, and we were uh, we were really happy to have him on. And, and I just want to thank him again for uh, for joining, especially on short notice. Like uh, podcast guests are heroes, everybody out there, and uh, and we are very thankful for them at Lockdown Wild. Speaking of podcast guests, uh, this will be the last show that I do until uh, Wednesday. I think uh, I think I'll be back for Wednesday's episode, Monday and Tuesday. I am going to uh, I'm going to be working for uh, during those times that we would be recording. So unfortunately, that lands on uh, on the trade deadline days. But I won't reveal them now. That's for Joe to reveal. But uh, we are going to have some really good guests on for them. 
you're going to be in real good hands on Monday and Tuesday, and then I will be back on Wednesday to react to whatever the Wild do and or don't do at the trade deadline. So I'm, I'm just really excited for that. Anyway, stay tuned to Lockdown Wild. I think that's going to do it for this show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show so that you, that you get our shows directly to your advice. Um, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us a lot. Five stars, of course. If you're uh, if you're not doing five stars, then uh, thumbs down. Don't like it. It's not great. You should definitely help us out. Do five stars. Do the right thing. That would be that would be real awesome. You can email us at lockdownwild at gmail.com. If you want to give us any uh, any listeners' choice topic suggestions or mailbag questions, I'm sure there's going to be uh, plenty of time for both next week after the trade deadline. I'm sure that uh, that there's going to be a lot to be curious about. So yeah, um, and then uh, just uh, just tell your friends about us, share us on social media. That would be really awesome. Thank you so much for listening to Lockdown Wild. We'll be back on Monday. And next week, it'll be your trade deadline team every day.